BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Oh! Dominic Cruz Ooh. on fire. Beautiful sequence from Cruz. Crowd enjoying his handiwork. Thank you for the ref, Mark Goddard, for giving me a chance to rebound. That's good refing tonight. Dominic! The Dominic Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. <laughs> that's dangerous. Listen to me, we're out of here. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. This is going to be a fun show. Um, a guest, uh, Chris Stefano. you know, Chris is a really funny comic. He's making, I think his first appearance on, he's promoting a Netflix special and, um, Dominic Cruz, who uh, we haven't had in a long time, but who I, I think is such a great play by play guy. And uh, I really love Dominic Cruz. Uh, you know, Chris, uh, Stefano, yeah, I know him well. Yeah. He's fine. He's really, he's a good comic. Well, I like funny guys. Yes, you do. Yeah, I think one day I'm going to come on here and you're just not going to show up. Not because you're not professional. No, it's because I'll be dead. That's why. Don't say that, Jimmy. Don't you ever fucking say that. No, I'm saying that. If I didn't show up, it means I died. I, I'm always going to show up. I think it means that you'll just be sick of a, you know, maybe one day you just look at you. you know, I'm, no, not true. I'm, I'm around, you know, about 50. I got a, a grown man calling me a bird. I don't need this shit. I don't shit. mind that. Yeah, it's, not, it's not inaccurate. I am bird-like. You know, when the check comes in, I'm like, when my bird flies in. Yeah, that's very nice. When my bird flies in. Now, I did you watch any of the fights? <laughs> yes. Wait a second. <laughs> Somebody sent me a clip that you were in on a show on Hulu. What is the show I'm thinking of? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Yes? Deadbeats? Deadbeats? Oh, yeah, yeah. What, was it Deadbeats? Yeah, it was Deadbeats, yeah. I, I forget the guy's name. Tyler Levine, I think. Uh, or Levine was, I forget how to say it. Levine might have been the main actor. He's very good. Really, it was a good show. My buddy was watching it. Mickey Knuckles. Oh, good. Glad Mickey Knuckles isn't angry at me. That's, that's a guy you don't want to fight in a fucking, in a parking lot. He is a black belt. Of course he is. Mickey Knuckles. Who wants to fucking deal with that guy? Kind of an ironic name because he's one of my black belts. His name is Nick LaMagna. Sounds even scarier. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he was a, a musician. Oh. He was a guitarist. And then he got his fingers, like, chopped off. Oh, I see. Okay. So that's why we call him Nicky Knuckles. It's kind of a, I don't know why, that's kind of a sick nickname. Well, it's still, he could still handle himself. Oh, could he handle himself? You know who could handle himself on a stage? Excellent, Matt. Who? <laughs> Yourself and Chris Stefano. Yeah, Chris is on, on time. Comedians are always late. Chris is a minute early. I don't think I've ever seen a comedian be a minute early before. I love it. 
Wow. Well, let's. I want to get to know him. Chris, are you on Long Island? Staten Island. Some fucking guy. Somebody literally. I, I don't. I can't go through the fucking things now. Somebody DM me and said, "Oh, Chris, you have you have a kid to know? Two kids. Yeah." Somebody goes, oh, Chris DeStefano's on Long Island and he wants to do get his kids in jujitsu. I swear to God, I got a text like this. Unless I'm fucking crazy. I think it was you. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't, I, I didn't know. I didn't, but now you're not. It's another island. Yeah. And, and well, do you want to get your kids into jujitsu or is this a completely different person? No, no, this is true. And as a oh. matter of fact, the guy, Dennis Bazuka, he just trained me this morning and he's going to train my kids, start training my daughter. Well, Listen, see how this works, Jimmy. Dennis Bazook is one of my guys. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to get because I felt it was important for me. It was important for me that my daughter uh, know how to defend herself because she's really into swimming. So therefore, I think she's going to be trans. And I was like, she needs to know, how, you know, <laughs> you want to, to how to defend yourself. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted just in case. Hey, Chris, do you you take boxing? Do you are you taking MMA or are you still just taking boxing? No, I just do boxing. I'm one of those guys. I don't know much about MMA. I wish I did. I want to try to take a more active role in knowing about it because, you know, I, I feel like I just I almost want to get like cauliflower ear surgically implanted on the top of my ears. Yeah. just So people, you know, because once you see that, you know, it's over. But I literally don't know how to fight at all. Um, I, I, it really bothers, like it keeps me up at night. Like what a pussy I am. If someone came in <laughs> and home invaded my house, I would genuinely hide behind my children. But you, you look like a, a tough guy though. Like the worst is like, I, like no one's going to like look at your girl when you're with her. Cause you look like you can handle yourself. Yeah. And it couldn't be more opposite. I mean, I even, even today, Dennis was like, you're one of the worst kickers I've ever seen, but we can help you with that. I was like, there's probably no help in with that. Now, Matt, you're you're a guy that like if, if someone like looks at your wife when you're out, do you immediately get confrontational because you know you can strangle him, or do you if as long as he's not being an asshole, you don't? Well, I mean, it, it's funny with that because you want to be you want people like oh you take that as a compliment because your wife's pretty type of thing, but there's always that fine line of disrespect, you know. If I'm sitting there, and it's funny you brought that up, both you guys, because I was watching um a little bit of uh another comedian Theo Vaughn, yeah, Theo Vaughn, and he's he fine. had David Spade on there, right? Yep. And somebody asked the question, who would win in a fight? And it got into um, David Spade talking about how he used to get messed with. And he'd be out on dates with girls. And this is literally what you just asked me. He'd be like, he, David Spade was like, I felt bad for the fucking guy. I want to I want to talk to him for free. He said the guys would literally like start talking to the girl and be like, well, you're with this guy? You're with him? Like, I mean, not, I couldn't picture that. I'll be yeah. biting somebody's fucking Achilles. Ah, I couldn't. Come on, man. Yeah, it's rude. Poor guy. Yeah, I... The thing is, my girl, she's Puerto Rican and she's lefty. So I feel like, you know, a lefty Puerto Rican is probably better than, you know, some bigger white guy that takes boxing classes every other week for his aerobics. You're saying she doesn't take any shit? Zero shit. Zero. <laughs> Has she ever gotten you into a fight? Like, that always scares me about a woman who is, like, really, uh, who's tough and not afraid of it. Like, has she ever said something that, like, almost got you into a conflict or does she know not to do that? No, she knows not. To, she knows not to do that. She knows not to do that. But I did date a girl like 10 years ago that what this guy had like stolen money or he had she had thought that he had stolen money from her house and like a house party. We were like in our early 20s and we were at a bar um, and she went and dumped her drink. She got like a, you know, like a cocktail and dumped it on his head. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? He was with right. all his boys. I was like, they're going to beat the shit out of me. They're not right. going to hurt you. I'm going to get destroyed for this. And I was like, I want to tell her I'm the one that stole the money from you, not him. <laughs> <laughs> well, did they now, did they confront you or did they just kind of let it go? No, but they the, his boys, he actually went to go swing at this girl, which I, honestly, if he would have knocked her out, that would have been helpful for me. I would be like, <laughs> that would have been the best case scenario. He knocks her unconscious. And then I'm like, what am I going to do? I got to call 911. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in help mode. You're in help mode then. Yeah, because but but he went to go swing at her or attack her and his boys held it back was like, she ain't worth it. You know, all that dumb Brooklyn stuff. And then we just I was like, we should leave, you know, and we just left. And and I told her I would have defended her. But I was I mean, I went right home and slept in my mother's bed. Well, what pushed you like growing up in Brooklyn? What pushed you away from that like life? Because you're really funny. And I know you uh, you, you went you went into like the medical field. Like what what kind of pushed you away from being one of those guys? Truthfully, I think that 
just ingratiated in me was, you know, growing up, my parents were divorced. So I would, I grew up with mostly my mother and she's so nervous and such an anxious woman that I think that got instilled in me quickly. I remember being 14, 15 years old, going to visit my cousins who were girls on Staten Island. And one of their boyfriends, we were all hanging out like in a park as teenagers do. And kids from another neighborhood came over and they had had beef with one of the boyfriends of my cousin. And they got into this huge brawl and I hid with the women behind the park. <laughs> Good. It wasn't your problem. Why the fuck should you deal with? What are you going to get hit with a bat because of some other guy argued with somebody in another borough? Well, that's what I said. I made up some fucking lie that I was in a, in a gang back home and I couldn't fight on behalf of my gang without the gang leader. Some bullshit lie. No. The truth was, I just, I was so nervous that I just hid. I literally hid with the women. I guess that's what I would have done too. I would have done the same thing, but they wouldn't have expected yeah. me to fight. They expect you to fight because of how you look. They would never have expected me to fight. Yeah. I feel the best thing you could do for your children is get them training. You know, have Dennis show them jujitsu, you know, a lot of jujitsu, a lot of like, on the, you know, you don't want them just to be able to handle a situation with a punch to the face. They want to be able to just grapple somebody and especially stuff in the in schools, a lot of pushing and headlocking. And you want to be able just to boom, take someone down and slap an arm lock on. I got three daughters. They're all training. They're all trained. They're all they're all trained. Yeah, they're there all the time. You know, yeah, see, that's what I want. I want my daughter. I want her to just, I just want, I know anything can happen anytime, anywhere, but I just, it's like, you know, when she goes off to hang out with her friends as a teenager, just if anything goes down, uh, I want to at least know that she could fucking disable somebody quickly. Yes. And plus a lot of guys, even if you're a good puncher, a lot of guys can take a punch, but uh, almost no one can take a proper strangling. Like no matter how tough you are, if you, if, if you, you know, your blood gets cut off, you pass out. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. Well, if you watch that John Wayne Gacy documentary, I did. Um, the only guy that survived was member that handcuff handcuff trick he would do is he would have he would make believe he was putting people himself. He would put himself in handcuffs and then, you know, show you a magic trick that he could get out. And then he would put them on you and he would be like and you couldn't obviously get out of them. because The trick was that he had the key and that's what he did strangle you and kill you. And the only guy that survived was a guy who knew jujitsu and who was a wrestler and martial artist because he went to go put him in the handcuff. And John Wayne Gacy thought like all his other victims, they would just lay there and not know how to get out of it. He wiggled out of it and gave him a leg sweep and smashed his face right into the floor and then put John Wayne Gacy in the handcuffs. Yeah, Gacy said, you're the only one to get out of these and the only one to put me in them. And that was what ended up. That guy lived because of that. You're right. That was Wait, MMA. What the fuck? Wait, the guy was a trained guy that did that, that got him? Wrestling and maybe MMA too. Yeah. I definitely he was, I know 15, he was definitely a wrestling. year old kid. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there was MMA back then. Well, it was wrestling and whatever else you knew, but martial arts. I mean, it's it saved his that, life. Yeah, you're right. That, that whole that whole thing might have just been imagine he just got on his knees and fucking sucked the comment right out of his cock, and that's how he got out alive. <laughs> but but he made it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just made up that he was a trainer, but he really just took a lot of cum right to the face. And guess he loved it so much he let him live. Oh, that's a twist. <laughs> and so, and that would have been my best defense. <laughs> I never knew that's how he got caught, though. I never knew that's how he got caught. That's no, it's got... not. That one guy just got away. That's not how he got caught, though. No, he what, got... he get away and just say, just they didn't tell nobody to avoid that fucking... Dude, movie. a lot of these guys didn't tell people, right? They were embarrassed. Well, they were embarrassed because at that time in the 70s, you know, being gay was like, you were an outcast, your family would disown you. So they were like, let's not tell anyone what happened kind of thing. Yeah, but there was one guy he drugged and like, like chloroform and assaulted, but the, he let the guy go for some reason. And the guy remembered his, like the exit because he had put him in his car. He was all fucked up and he remembered his exit. So the guy took his own car and just sat at that exit for night after night until he saw that car go by. And then he followed Gacy home and got his address and had him arrested. Oh, that's how some of these guys get caught. Like Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, just went into the wrong neighborhood and got his ass kicked by Mexicans in fucking uh, East L.A. Yeah. And they caught him. Yeah, and they chased him, too, down the street. Yeah. I seen that. That was fucking great. Which was? The, the, the Night Stalker, when they started kicking the shit out of him. I saw it on the, uh, this, I don't know, wasn't it on a fucking, they did a, like a TV movie on that shit? Oh, Netflix just did a great documentary. I know. I, I, I think, wasn't it on Netflix? It was a Richard Ramirez documentary. Yeah, it was yeah, Richard Ramirez documentary. Uh, I think it was called um, Night Stalker. 
Dude, every time I say I'm sick and tired of serial killer shit, I'm not going to watch anymore and I'm done with it. They'll have one like Gacy come on. I'm like, all right, let me just see. And they wrote me right back in. I can't, I can't not watch them. Richard Ramirez is the, is the great one. John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy. I'm sure they're going to do a Jeffrey Dahmer one. They should do an Eileen Wernos one too. She was the first female serial killer. That's right. Electrocuted. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't watch MMA. I, I assume you would like it. Knowing you and, and knowing like the fact that you like boxing and you like uh, like combat, I'm, I'm surprised you, or at least watching combat, I'm surprised you don't watch it. I think that you would really like it. Once in a while with MMA, it takes somebody one fight to get into. Like there's one fight that they'll see that will just make them click and go, oh, fuck. I, okay, I get it. I love this. I think that, I think, like even just today was day one of the training with Dennis, but even just doing it, I don't know what I'm doing. I look horrible. I'm horrid at it. But even that being like, oh, I would like to watch the pros do this just to try to get better at it myself if for that reason alone. Um, but I'm sure those the pros are going so fast and doing things that my brain can't even keep, can't even keep up with. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised too sometimes that I don't like it at all. Like also, I'm just one of those guys where like, you think I'm one way, but I'm another way. Like you think I would like MMA. I, not that I don't like it. I just don't watch it. I've never seen the movie, the Godfather. Right. They must be like, Oh, you know, every line from the Godfather. I'm like, I've never seen one second of it. Yeah. It's really uh, when you, you know what it's like when you appreciate, like when we used to interview guys, UFC guys and MMA guys, I would always have them put me in some kind of a hold. Cause I just wanted to see what it felt like. And BJ Penn was actually the first one to put me in an arm bar. And uh, again, they're not trying to hurt you. They're just kind of showing you how helpless you are. And when you feel how much it hurts, even when they're not trying to hurt you, it's then you watch it in, in, a, in, in combat, you're like, holy fuck. Like the fact that somebody is literally trying to rip your arm off for real. Um, these guys have a very high tolerance for that, for, for uh, abuse. I think too, it depends on like what your life is. So when I was, maybe I had to say I was about 12. So this is, I was born in 84. So this say, this is 95, 96 area, somewhere like that. You know, this is way before MMA was popular or even a thing, maybe. And we were on the subway, my father and I coming back home late from a Knicks game. And there was this girl, little girl on the train sitting with her father. And the girl was complaining about ear pain. She had like an earache. And these kids, these teenagers got on the train and were being like really loud and screaming and like, you know, being like obnoxious. You know, maybe they were in their early 20s. Right. And this father, very politely said to one of the guys, hey, can you please just keep it down? I know this is a public space, but my daughter has a double ear infection. You know, like you're really hurting her ears. We only have a couple more stops, please. And we were sitting right across. And the guy, the, the teenager said to the guy, he goes, fuck you, I'll do whatever I want. And my father said to me, I remember clear as day, he whispered into my ear. My father said, this guy is gonna get beat up because look at that man's ears. And he had had the cauliflower ears. On to, you know, that stuff on his ear. So my dad said, look at this man's ears. And I was like, wow. So my dad you know, wanted to protect me. He was like, let's get off the next stop because he knew that there was going to be a problem. And the guy said to one of the teenagers, he goes, say that to me one more time. And then the guy got right in his face and was like, fuck you. And I saw from my angle as clear as day in, it felt like one move, maybe it was more, but as a kid's brain, it felt like one move. In front of me, broke this guy's arm. The guy, the kid's elbow was just hanging like that. Broke his arm like immediately and threw him on the floor. And this was, you know, years before 9-11 or years before, you know, PC stuff. Somebody pulled the emergency brake. The police came on the train and arrested the guy with the broken arm because everyone was like, yeah, he was completely being an asshole. Where now today, you know, they would arrest the little right. girl too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and there'd be video of all of it and the guy would complain. Yeah. Uh, but once in a while, isn't it nice to see that a guy just yeah. fucking get, get get his arm broken for being a dick? I think I would charge Chappelle. How great was it that he got his arm broken? You're like, fuck this guy. Yeah. You know, what's funny, too, is like, you know, I was there at the Netflix is a joke comedy festival where it all happened in L.A. And every show after that had wall to wall security, except my show. I was doing a show <laughs> at the Peppermint Club. It was standing room only. And they had no seats. They allowed people to sit on the stage with me. I was like, everybody else has got fucking armed guards. I have people on the stage. They just figured you could handle yourself or that you, you bring such a loving energy that nobody was going to fuck with you. I know, dude. But that's the thing is like people think I can handle myself and I can't. But I'm trying to with just this training now. I'm trying to do it where it's like, you know, a father daughter thing where like we're learning this thing together. And that's why I want to approach my daughter like you know, daddy's teaching how to do this. But the truth is, is I'm probably going to learn from her. 
because her brain is like a sponge. She'll be able to, to, to absorb it way more than I can very quickly. I mean, dude, you have to see the way I kicked. I mean, it's actually, we have it. We have video of it. We'll put it up on, on my Patreon, on yeah. my podcast. Of, I mean, it's, it's, Dennis is laughing at it. He's, I'm a grown man. <laughs> he's laughing and he's like, yeah, man, it's, it's a pretty brutal kick, but we're going to help you. Yeah, it's good that you tape that stuff because you can laugh at it and use it, but you can also go like, fuck, this motivates me to want to get better at this. So you have a relative comparison to make. Yeah, because I said, too, on the video, I was like, and, you know, I know these are bad kicks. I don't need any comments telling me how bad it is. So that's going to open up the floodgates and yeah. everyone telling me what a shit asshole I am. <laughs> <laughs> now, only because it's going to bother me if I don't ask it. The name of your sp- stand-up special on Netflix is um, Speshy Weshy? Speshy Weshy. That's what I named it. What does that mean? Uh, it, it means I ran out of ideas and I asked my <laughs> six-year-old daughter what she wants dad to name her special. And that's what she said. And I immediately texted Netflix. That's the name. Oh, it's a Speshy Weshy? Like a special? Like a special? Like a, yeah, because, you know, we got silly on my podcast. So what really I wanted is I had a lot of, uh, you know, we, we came up with some other names. But I didn't want anybody to ever have the same name of a special as me. Right. So it was like Speshy Weshy is it. It, you know, the, it's funny, though, some parents have been DMing me and be like, my kid thought this was like a children's show. And we put it on and you're talking about your cock in the first three minutes. Wow, that's funny, man. It, and it is a, a unique and original, uh, very unique, original name. And you're right. Nobody will ever grab Speshy Weshy. And if they do, they 100 percent took it from you. Yeah. So that and, and also I made it. We tried some different things, tried to give it a different name. I self-produced it, uh, Homeless Pimp, Mike Lavin, the guy that does all my podcasts, yeah. directed it, so I kept it all in-house. We self-produced it, paid for the whole thing, uh, paid for the whole thing myself, uh, and, and then we only made it 37 minutes because we were like, you know what? Good. Things are shorter. I feel like the hour, even though it, uh, live, I'll always do an hour, but on this, when I'm like, I'm trying to get you to watch me without looking at your phone or stopping the special to go do the dishes or run away with your kids, I'm like, the shorter, the better. So- that's what we did. And, you know, so far it's working it was on the trending now page for Netflix, which I was told is, 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 is a good thing and, and not the easiest thing to do for a comedy special. And, you know, we just, I keep pushing it, keep pumping it and like doing all the podcasts, doing all the internet stuff. You know, I, I think like, you know, like even Netflix told me, they were like, Hey, you, you, your special came out of the gate so quickly on our algorithms because all my podcasts, fans went and watched it right, right away. Right. The internet went and watched it right away. So it's just kind of like that crossover. And, you know, listen, I, I wanted to, you know, cause I, I was going to put it on YouTube. I actually say at the end of the Netflix special, cause at the moment when I filmed it, I thought it was going to be on YouTube. So I say, right. this is going to be on YouTube, but if Netflix wants to buy it, we'll sell it to you. And Netflix let me keep that in. Oh, so, good. Yeah. They let me keep it in, which is cool. Them. But it's just comedy because it's just comedy, the ups and downs, because I went out to this Netflix festival with a special. People are telling me how good it was doing. And I felt kind of like on top of the world. And then I did a TV taping for Netflix for Amy Schumer and Friends, which is coming out in June. And I fucking bombed both tapings like you cannot imagine. I'm talking about a full zero for eight minutes, both tapings, the end of the second taping. I wait for, I, I say my last joke, hit the punchline. It gets absolute crickets. I looked right into the camera and I said, I'm going to fucking kill myself. And I walked <laughs> off. <laughs> that's, that's funny right there. Though. That's, I hope they leave that in. That's what I said. I said, I hope Netflix has the wherewithal to leave that in, just like they left in the end of my special. I can't think picture you bombing though. You always do well. No, you know what it was? It was a show. The theme of the show was about family like talking about your kids and talk about your family. And I used all on that the Amy show on Amy show. Yeah. Oh yeah. On the Amy Schumer show. I, all these shows had a theme. So my, her theme was family. She wanted all the comedians on who are parents and talking about. Yeah, their yeah. Kids. And I burned all that material on my special. So the only bit I had was a six and a half minute bit about how my dog just died. And it's fucking bombed. <laughs> Dude, is there anything worse? And, and I guess, Matt, Matt, you always say the worst thing that can happen to you in the cage is not getting hurt, it's getting tired. And I guess the equivalent of that for a stand-up would be when you are 
one minute into a six minute bit and you have not gotten any of the three laughs that you normally get in that first minute and you know this is going to be a long fucking night these next few minutes are going to be terrible i remember the bit uh, the first first time i i came out and did it on, on this taping it's a bit about like my dog dying and 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 there's a, cr- a couple of moments in the bit that like you know normally get laughs and when instead they got groans oh. i was like because there's no it's one of those bits there's no exit strategy i can't right. give it, the, it uh, that's it it's going to be six minutes this is the only thing i have prepared so i ha- i just knew that the groans were coming and then it gets progressively worse and at the end of the bit i i talk about how like i triumphantly do something and instead of that getting which at times got an applause break it got an audible oh no like that (laughs) (laughs) you know and so and it was and it was so bad where like even your my agent was there now your agent will always go with the positives sure pump you up yeah my agent said i said that was so bad and he was trying to come up with a way to make it he was like oh we can sweeten it we could this and then he finally ended with do you want me to talk to Netflix and see if they we can just not air it? Would you oh. like me to talk to them about that? And I was like, yeah, let's go that route. Actually, I said, no. I said, you know what? I want to air it because I'll. that's the beauty of having a podcast and a, and a mini fan base is I'll make, we'll, we'll watch it together yeah. and just talk about how fucking brutally I bombed and just make that a bit. Dude, there is something about that. Like it, when you have the freedom, uh, as a comic and you bomb about something and you're not afraid to show people like, Oh, that was fucking awful. Hey, people trust you more because you're telling them the truth. And this way, if they say, if you say it's good, they know it's good. And if, because you already said it's bad, but there's a freedom in that too, because even a shit set or a bad joke, you can somehow use, if it's filmed, you can still show people and go, look at this fucking horrible joke. I tried. It stunk. Yeah. When, uh, when I would lose a fight, it was a shitty ass feeling. And one of the only things to get you over that is to get back in there and kick someone else's ass after you got your ass kicked. And you're like, ah, okay, I'm back. Now, is it the same thing with you guys? This goes for both of you. For you guys bombing, is it like, all right, I know I'm funny. That was fucking brutal. Let me get back on my feet. Let me kill tomorrow night at the cellar or wherever. I mean, do you feel like you have to redeem yourself right away? Are you secure with yourself enough to be like, all right, choke that up for a bad night? I mean... So the thing was me with this specific special taping is we did two tapings, one at eight and one at 10 p.m. But in the middle of those tapings, there was a show because it was a comedy festival. There was a show going on outside in the parking lot of the venue. It was outside. It was raining. It was cold. And I did the same set. I did the set three times, twice for television, which absolutely fucking bombed. And then once outside in the rain and the set killed. Of course. (laughs) What the fuck? And I was like, nobody's seeing this. And, and, and it's just what it is. But honestly, after that set, my first instinct was to leave Los Angeles immediately. I didn't want to go on. And I said, I want to go home and contemplate. Do I want this to be my career or do I want to just get into fucking real estate? Yeah. But I think, I I think it's great uh, that you can, you can at least air it, watch it with your, because Chris, you have a huge Patreon and podcast following. So you'll make something out of it. Like there's no loss when you, when you have that kind of following that knows you're going to be honest, there's no way to lose. It's great. Yeah. Like I, I did the Jimmy Kimmel show once and I absolutely ate it and they didn't even air it. And I was telling my podcast fans, wait until you see this episode, how bad I bombed, and they never aired it. So I'm trying to still actively get the clip just so we can make fun of it on on air. Yes, there's something very cathartic about that. We got to jump, Chris. We have another guest coming in, but I want to promote everything really right. Uh, May 3rd uh, is when it came out, especially where she, it's on Netflix. Uh, I know you're a hilarious comic. And what is the podcast and the Patreon so people can support you? So we got Chrissy Chaos is one of my podcasts and uh, Hey Babe is the other one of my podcasts. They come out Tuesday and Thursday and then every Friday at patreon.com slash Christy Comedy. That's where we go kind of wild out of the box, not safe for work shit. And that's where we have the most fun. So yeah, man, and watch that special. I, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Okay, every Friday is the Patreon show. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. It's good talking to you as always. I'm sure I'll see you this week. 100%. Hey, kid, All right, Chris Stefano. Thanks, Chris. Good seeing you, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Jimmy, let me ask you. Yes. You got a friend, uh, and he's not, and he's a comedian, or she, doesn't sure. matter. And they're not very good. What did you do? They waste in their life and they go to you with right. some stage advice. Jimmy, oh my God, Jimmy Nord, the fucking legend. Take me under your little wing. No, no pun intended. You know, what do you tell them? That I couldn't be, you know, there are comics who I've known that weren't really good on stage, but they were funny off stage. The guys who are really bad and just bad, like you become friendly with them but you don't get as close to them because you don't have as much fun with them. Like I can't, and not that you have to be Dave Chappelle for me to be friends with you, but like, I like a guy like Chris because I can, I can go, man, this guy's really funny and mean it. Like it, it, you don't ever want to have to give fake compliments to another comic who you don't like. It's, it feels empty and shitty. So you tend to surround yourself with people who you respect and who you like, but there's been some guys I thought that weren't that funny and they, they tend to just drop off. Um, because usually the people working at the comedy cellar are solid and they're, and they're very funny acts. But yeah, it's hard, man, when someone sucks. By the way, I guess we should talk a little MMA on this podcast. And I got to say, Oliveira is, uh, and we can talk to Dom about this, but uh, he is a really a devastating champion. Really, really uh, incredibly underrated and underappreciated. God darn, do I love some good jujitsu, man. Yeah. And you know, what's, you know what, the, the, what the difference in some of his fights are? He gets somebody, he, somebody gets him hurt. He goes right to his back as like a safety mechanism. Like, in other words, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wobbly, but come down here. I'm still going to fucking get you. And they're so deathly afraid of his guard. They don't go near him. Yeah. Justin just kept bringing him back up. Yeah. Had him twice hurt. He went down twice, once a little delayed because he was a little wobbly and once legit, like he was just down. And then uh, he knocked Justin down once. And that's all the fuck he needed because he'll follow you down because that's where he's the major. That That's where standing up, it was like, man, this is close. Well, who's going to win this exchange? We know who's winning on the floor, especially on top. Yes. God damn, it's beautiful. That jujitsu is so beautiful, Jimmy. And he also has a, a he really hits. He's, he's a good striker. Like, he's a really dangerous striker. He, he's like, Damian Maya obviously was a, a, you know, could punch, but it was almost all on the floor. You're worried a guy like him or a guy like Kamaru, who are also such dangerous strikers. He's going to be a very, very hard guy to beat. Here's the two guys. I think that have a shot against him. Uh, Makachev, who has not fought the level of competition that Oliveira has, even though he's great. Or uh, if they could talk Habib into coming back for his 30th fight. Because Habib against Oliveira, is, especially with a vacant title, is an incredibly attractive uh, thing. But I don't think anybody else in the division, other than Islam Makachev, has a really good shot at him. Him, him and Islam is a fucking fight because that's not going to be so easy on the floor. No. I guarantee you that Islam will well, he'll take it there. And he'll, he'll, so that'll be phenomenal. Let's see how he matches them on the floor. Because Oliveira's jiu-jitsu is fucking great. Yeah. And or, or Benil. Uh, obviously, Benil Dariush, I think, has a shot against him as well. Well, I mean, all I know is that uh, if Chandler gets that title fight, you know, uh, first, then next thing you know, all I know is Benil won't like it. Respectfully, I love Michael Chandler, and I love what he did. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I had him picked. Um but I don't think that he should get the next shot, even though he, he floored Ferguson and no one's ever done that. I don't think he should get it above uh, uh, Islam, who's number three. And I don't think he should necessarily get it above Benil, who hasn't fought for it yet. Well, it's a fucking 
Yo, Dom, let's get Dominic Cruz. Dominic in on. Cruz will answer all of these questions. Yes. There he is. Ooh, the great Dominic Cruz. Yes. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Hey, who gets so happy to see Dominic Cruz besides this? Who? I think the only person who might get that happy is my mom. What about Dojo? You still got a little Dojo? You're right. Dojo, too. You're right. Dojo's the man. Put me up there with Dojo. Oh, shit. Yeah, Dominic, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. It has been a while, dude. You've been grinding, right? You've been traveling all over the world doing TV shows with Dana White and whatnot. Oh, we did. I, you know what? I wish we do. I hope we do another one before I go into the night. Dominic, I got to get I'm following Bisping's fucking not not with the eyes, with the knees. I got to fuck. I got to get two new knees, man. I got to get knee surgery. I got to get knee replacement. Does that suck? What happened to your knees, bro? Why are you getting them? Re Why are you putting metal in them? I know. I know, bro. Trust me. Trust me. I got bad arthritis. Now, when I say arthritis, it just sounds like something an old person says. It's bone on bone. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. got the stem cells, not the good ones from fucking wherever, but I got the gel shots. I got the scope. I got the. I am walking so. It's Jimmy. He knows how I walk. We would meet. We would walk after when we were taping in the studio, and it really was like watching somebody who was eighty years old walk. It was just <laughs> slow. Yeah, it would look painful. But I can still do jujitsu, Dom. So I'm like, fuck. I was holding off, but now I'm like, dude, Bisping. Bisping's fucking living his life, man. He was walking fucked up. It's inspiring you watching him, isn't it? Dude, I tell That's him, what it is, huh? I just did his show. He's the only guy, because I hear stories. I talk to people that, well, I do it, and I still roll jujitsu, which is my yeah. main thing. But Bisping, I was with him in Abu Dhabi, and I was with him when he was walking the way I thought. I mean, he was walking horrible. And he was telling me stories about him and Forrest Griffin in China, and they wanted to go look at a sightseeing. He went back to the hotel. He couldn't fucking walk. I relate to all this shit. I look on his Instagram. That motherfucker is probably doing shit he shouldn't be doing now, but he's running. He, fucking he definitely is doing stuff he shouldn't be doing. <laughs> no, Dominic, and I ask him, I go, do you supposed to be doing the running? He goes, well, he goes, this is the way I look at it. It's kind of like a 15-year shelf life. I'll probably get mine redone around nine years. <laughs> he wants to live the way he wants to live, that fucking wild man. Wait, is there a 15-year shelf life when you get new knees? He said, like, I don't know, 15 to 20. They, 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 they always go up and down with that. Yeah, makes sense. You get that. You just get the hardware changed. Listen, enough of me and my old parts getting, you know, new. What about you, Dominic? You're still in the fucking game. What about all these young fucks want a piece of Dominic? They want a piece of his legend. You know, how does that feel? Like, you feel like, man, it's a lot of respect. They want to, they know how popular I am. They want to get that feather in their cap. Or is it like you little motherfuckers think that I'm an easy target? What? Which one is it? Um, I think what it is, is they're, these guys want to be heard. It's, it's not even about me or fighting me or it's about all these guys are coming up through the ranks and they want to be heard. They just want somebody to listen to them. And the only way you listen to somebody is by beating somebody who's ranked above you in, in the game to an extent. Like, look, I was out of the game. I had two losses. Nobody interviewed me. Nobody asked me any questions. Nobody put me on their podcast. All my sponsors left me. I've been through this three times. This is my third run for a title. So what people don't know is I've already been told i'm the greatest ever i've been told i'll never be back twice already so now i'm going through that for a third time once you have those those goggles on once you know that this is just how human beings work um you stop being attached to it so i'm not attached to these guys all calling me out one of the benefits i have about being you know in this game this long is a lot of early in my career i got wound up in what other people were doing what they were saying and what they were saying about me and at this stage, I, I get the fights when I'm ready. I get the fights when I'm healthy. And I fight at the highest level against the highest potential opponent possible. And that's all I can control. I don't think anybody's calling you out as an easy target either. I mean, that, that's, you know, I, I don't think that's even in anybody's mind. It's just, it's the legendary name. and it's, it's fighting the big name. And people know they have to fight guys. So if they're going to fight somebody, but no one's looking at you uh, moving the way you move uh, at age 37 as an easy target. Well, I mean, they could be, but that's just their interpretation. There's no factual basis behind that. So it doesn't really matter what people are thinking. What matters is what I can control, which is what I take care of and what I'm prepared for. And I'm prepared for the championships. So if I know that about myself, who cares? Would you rather have them underestimate you too? Like if they are looking at you that way, better for you. If they're, they're going to be uh, maybe less prepared. The, the reason I know nobody's underestimating me is nobody above me is calling me out. The only people calling me out are the people underneath right. me. So don't forget that.
Right. What did you think? Uh, what did you think of uh, of this Saturday? It was a pretty uh, pretty amazing uh, main event. Not so amazing on the co-main. But uh, who do you think fights Oliveira next? What do you think happens to the belt? Um, I don't know, man. With with Oliveira, the way he did that, the way he missed weight, it just really throws a crink in things, you know? Making weight is essential. So I, I have no idea how the UFC is going to handle that because he, what, what Oliveira did is he put himself against a rock in a hard place and then came out on top. So he, he put it himself in a position where if I don't get a finish, I'm completely out of this situation. And he went and finished the guy in two rounds. So he shut off everything. So now we've got a, an open title. And if anything, I think it creates more movement in the division. It's going to allow for different style fights. I like it. Did you believe this? Because again, I, this is not my world. Did you believe the scale excuse because there's a couple of fighters complaining or was this just a, a pure weight, weight cut miss? I don't know because there could be scale excuses. This is the thing that's a little down is sometimes they'll have two different scales that you weigh in on. So no matter who you are, if you weigh in on two scales, there's a, there's a possibility that the commission's going to have an off scale. It's not the fighter that's going to have an off scale. It's the commission that's going to have an off scale. So if we check on one scale and we're on, and then we check on another and we're off, two things can happen. One, we had some drinks. We had some food. We broke within the moments in between or the scale's off. Right. Who's going to take the blame is the question. Is the commission? Never. So whose fault is it? It's always going to be the fighter's fault. Always. Right. He's the only guy to miss weight, though. It's one thing if they made everybody missed weight, the fucking scale. And he's missed weight before. This isn't the first time Oliveira's missed weight. Don't right. forget that. He's done it more than once. At 145, though, right? Not for... Who cares? Fuck yeah, huh? Who knew you were going to make weight? <laughs> hey! Who cares? Who cares? Like, I fought at 155. All these fat jokes on me. I made... I fought at 170. I never missed weight. You don't think I like... You think I like missing meals? Nobody does. That's why it's such a thing to make weight. If there's anything that you can learn about Oliveira missing weight being the, the type of champion that he is... It just shows how delicate the cutting process and how important it is and how skilled we are as athletes to lose and cut food, water, and shelter before we go into the scariest time of our life while everybody watches on the outside and just says, oh, he missed weight. Also, Jimmy, I'm sorry to cut you off, but sure. this kind of irked me a little bit. You know, not that I'm such a God guy, but he's like, oh, you can't explain God. But he's not losing the weight. You can't explain God, you know, God has, God's probably like, yo, what the fuck? Hey, man, I didn't eat that Twinkie motherfucker. I didn't eat that extra bowl of acai. <laughs> what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Why are you blaming me? Why are you blaming me with your lack of fucking this? Fucking, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's my favorite. What the fuck? It's in God's hands. What, what the fuck? What? What's the responsible version of that conversation is my favorite. <laughs> exactly. Do you think uh, Makachev gets him next? I would love that fight. I think that's a good fight. You know, I mean, it's a fun fight to watch. I think that how many fights does he have in a, in a, in a row? One, 10? I think it's 10 or 11. I can check. All right. So since we're talking about responsibility, if you have 11 fights unbeaten, Tony Ferguson had 10. 11. 11. So they had the same amount. I guess I would say if I'm Makachev or Tony Ferguson, I would say to myself, why have I not gotten the title shot by now? Is there something that I'm not being? Because I keep pointing the finger at everybody else, but maybe there's something I'm not being that I'm not getting the shot. That's the only way you can be in control. Well, in fairness, Ferguson did get shot a few times. And didn't, fit, didn't he get fucked up? And then something happened with that, that, that curse of him and Habib? Habib, yeah, three times. But I, was Habib champion when that happened? Or were they both fighting uh, at the, as like the number one and two guy? I don't remember when Ferguson tripped on that cord. Was Habib champion at that point? I believe so. I don't, I don't remember. I don't know about that. That was a weird one. You're right. Ferguson got the chance, but I'm talking about Makachev. Right. Makachev hasn't. I don't know why he hasn't other than you, all you can do is look at yourself and say, what am I not doing? Because 11 fights unbeaten, like what else do you got to do? Do you think it's kind of like, uh, you know, because again, there is a business sense to it. Do you think they look at certain guys like a Leon Edwards? Uh, who uh, people have wanted to see get a shot for a while, even though he fought his been a, a while ago. Do you think it's something like, well, they don't, they don't know how big a fight it would be and they would rather get other names in there that they think would be uh, more conducive with selling pay-per-views? Do you think that's underneath it at all? I think that they're looking for entertainment. I think at a certain point where entertainers and UFC is going that route, they're not just going, you're a fighter. They're going, you're an entertainer. So if they're going to, if once you recognize that that's the, the brand that the UFC is pushing, he, they push the exciting entertainers. Once you notice that, Fill the gap. Look at wrestling. If you got a pro wrestler that doesn't have an entertaining walkout, doesn't have an entertaining match, and doesn't have an entertaining exit, they get cut um, or they don't, they don't stand out. It's, I, I don't see it. I mean, we're not pro wrestlers, but we're still entertainers. So I could see how 
They're going to pick people who want to entertain from the beginning to the end with what they say, what they be, what they do, everything. And if you're silent and you don't have a voice, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. If you're not that guy, then they don't push you. Yeah, I guess so. If you're not comfortable talking or yeah, because like, I mean, you've always been comfortable uh, saying what's on your mind. And I guess that makes people love you or hate you. But either way, they want to watch you fight. Yeah, they want to watch me fight. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm some kind of Ronda Rousey drought, uh, draw. I'm not. But I've, I've taken responsibility of what I can, which is, okay, if I'm not a Ronda Rousey, how do I make myself a Ronda Rousey? I got to force myself in front of faces. I've got to do podcasts. I've got to do TV. I've got to do interviews. I've got to train nonstop. I've got to be at events. I've got to do more than a lot of, than a Ronda Rousey would have to do. She could just sit at her home and get interviews 24-7 and be more famous than anybody. I can either be mad at that or I can take responsibility and, and control what I can and make the adjustments. And even today as in my career as a, as a two-time champion working my way to the third, uh, I still am not just promoted. I'm not like some guy that they throw on every pay-per-view. I'm not some guy. They've had me on prelims for the past two fights, for God's sake. I'm a double-time champ. They haven't done that to any champion in the history of the sport, really. So oh goodness, I'm not mad at it. It's just part of it. I, you go with it compete you take the fights you get and you win and then you get what you earn you don't get what you deserve let, let me ask you about like, listen there was phenomenal fights the other night but a couple of weeks ago a fight that probably interested you was uh marlon Chito vera versus rob font fucking great fight uh thoughts on that fight and both of those both of those guys i can you match me up match you up with match me up match you up with both <laughs> of those guys put me back in coach no but i i see you with either one of those guys that's a fucking entertaining a fight, either one. What would you think of the fight? Anybody in the top seven is that kind of fight. Let's True. be honest. But when you look at those guys, you know, I called that fight. I had 25 minutes of saying nice things about both of them. Oh, that's um, right. You know what I mean? And then you get you get out of that fight and you got everything that's been said um, from others. Like Cheetos called me out multiple times and I, I'm, I don't take offense to that. I get why he's doing it. He wants to move up. But what I thought was so hilarious was one of the things he said is, you've been saying you want to fight people above you. Well, now I'm above you. But then after he gets done with the fight, he calls me a pussy and then goes ahead to call out the top four above him and nobody underneath them, which is the exact same thing I've been saying. So if I'm that, then, you know, the, the pot calling the kettle black on that one. It's like we're all doing the same thing. Let's be honest. I'm just logical enough to know if people are above me and they're not calling me out. Why is that? Well, it's because they want to fight people above them. We're all in a business here. It's common sense. So it's, it's silly to me when guys get super mad and super offended when it's like, this is a business we're doing here and we're all in a, in a ranking system and we're all in a bracket and we're all going to fight each other eventually. So put all the anger away. We're going to face each other eventually. Let it go. It's gonna is, there any, is there any path to the title you see? Like, I know that you never know and you'll take what they give you, but is there like, like everyone probably has like little mental, like kind of connect the dot things that you think might need to happen or is, is there a path that you've kind of seen in your head that could be a possible way for you to get that title shot? No, just be healthy and I'll have the title. You know, as long as I'm healthy, I compete at my highest level and then things will fall into place. When you start trying to control things or think you're going to control things or think you're going to have something in some way, um, that's when you really start to pull yourself out of the focus, move into the future where you can't control things. And then you start having bad head problems. Yo, not, not to stir some shit. You know what irks me with, with TJ Dillashaw? TJ Dillashaw is that, I'm sorry, Jimmy. Cause no, that's no, because everybody's like, well, you know, the guy admitted it though. He admitted he, uh, he came clean. Fucking what? Not, not out of sleepless nights, Dominic Cruz. He fucking came clean cause they caught him. So what the fuck? Everybody's giving the guy a pass. Like, well, he admitted he, he admitted cause he got fucking busted with his hand in the cookie jar. It's not like one day he woke up and goes, you know what guys? You know, like, um, that, that drug that doesn't make you tired. You know, I was taking that. You fucking, I don't know. I, you're, you're preaching to the choir, man. I had to fight the guy on that drug. How about that? And I beat him on it. So there you go. Nobody's, nobody's saying nothing about that, but that's okay. You know, I, it is what it is. The bottom line is, I think what blows me away is that the UFC promotes that man over somebody like me who's been healthy, clean, promoting the sport in a positive way, promoting the division in a positive way. And they're just going to throw them right in there into the mix. It's mind blowing to me, to be honest, but that's the way that they do business. And that's their choice. It's their business, not mine. Do you think his, his, his legacy, he'll be remembered no matter what he does from here on. Is it tainted because of this? What do you think? For, I know it is, but I want to know what the fuck you think. 
I think I think 110 percent, but maybe I, I'm looking around and everybody's like, "Oh, TJ's back." I'm like, "That's great," but the motherfucker was cheating for how long? And then everybody's like, "Well, you know, he admitted." No, he admitted because he got fucking caught, you asshole. But I don't want to sit here like I'm killing the guy. Like I don't want to see you shitting on the guy, but I want to shit on him a little bit because he, what he did was horrendous. I mean, we're in a we're in a day and age where. I guess if you admit something, it just gets forgotten. I don't know. Have, have you ever won uh, Rose's fight with Carla was really uh, not what anybody expected. Have you ever fought somebody where there was some aspect of their, uh, their, their game that you were so concerned about that you had, that you kind of, you didn't want to engage. Has that ever happened to you in, in your career? Uh, Cause that's what it seemed like. She was so concerned about Carla taking her down. Um, have you had that where you've like, fuck, I want, it's almost like when you looked at, uh, Tyron Woodley and Damian Meyer. Like, is there ever been anything where you were just so concerned about it that it kind of threw you off a little bit and you didn't engage where you should have? Well, didn't Tyron Woodley, he beat Damian Meyer. How did he beat him? Did, did it go to a decision or did he not come out? I believe it was a decision, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. Yeah, but I know he stuffed like so many takedowns. Yeah, we don't, know the, we don't know the punch count though, but all we know is there was probably about six takedowns in 25 minutes and maybe yeah. 30 punches thrown. So we can't compare that fight other than styles. There was still triple that done in the Tyrone Woodley, Damian Wyatt yeah. fight. So when you look at that, what, when I see a fight like that, what I saw was two people who were more uh, scared to lose than wanted to win. And that ha- that's what happens to, to athletes when you just don't want to make a mistake. In fights, you have to be so good everywhere that you're willing to make a mistake anywhere in order to come out on top. There's, you know, th- there's certain positions where if you're on, uh, Matt Sarah can, t- can, can attest to this. There's certain positions where if you're mounted, you might have to give your back for one second to get out of mount before you can get safe again. Am I right? Matt? Am I right? A hundred percent. So this is no different. You might have to throw a five, six punch combination and get taken down and then get back up and escape and create a scramble to get her tired before those six punches the next time will land again. So that's just part of it. You've got to get in the fight. You've got to be willing to get exhausted. Then once two people get exhausted, now you're really testing their skill set on an exhausted, uh, with an exhausted mindset. You know, old lions, when they fight young lions, they run them for miles all the way to a, a pond or water. They run them and make them chase them. And then once they get to that point, they stop and then they fight the young lion when they're tired. This, these are tactics. These are things you have to use when you're facing certain, certain things. You know, Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya, they had tactics. Yes, that was a very similar style fight. You got somebody who's so threatening with the grappling that you can't let them take you down. Yes, same fight, but you still got to take risks. You got you to do something, yeah. And have you ever, I'm saying, is there anybody for you that has, that has presented that to you, even if you engage, but that you were that concerned about one aspect of what they were doing? Uh, not in my not in my fight career so far. I haven't. I because I just I prepare for that style when I'm facing it. I you know when you're a champion in the sport, you can face everything. So it you got to have the faith in your wrestling if you're Rose Namajunas. You got to have the faith in your scrambles when you're Rose. You got to have the faith in your ability to get up from the bottom with your uh, jujitsu offense and your jujitsu you know scrambles if you're Rose. That you just have to have that. But in one. one- Confused me is that whenever it hit the floor, for it, there was no control time by Carla because she was able to get up. So that we should have been able, I, I felt that she should have been able to do more because of that. So one thing if she got taken down, I lost that round. Fuck, now I, I'm having hope, trouble pulling the trigger. She showed that in a scramble, she could match her in a fucking scramble and get back up. So then why not? Like, I mean, listen, always easy said and done, but that's her coach's job. I was shocked when I heard Pat Barry and, and Trevor Whitman. Being like, oh, Pat Barry's like, yeah, you hear these boos? Good job. What the fuck? You're like, what are you like? That's that's because that's you're following the game plan of the game. What is it? The art of fighting without fighting? What the fuck are we talking about here? Well, there's you know a couple what I mean? things. There's a couple things there. It's all it's all opinion based. Some people have their their uh, lovers in their corner. Some people don't. You know who knows? Like who knows what that means? Maybe you know. I don't know if I could have somebody to, like I cut off anybody who loves me two weeks before every fight, so I don't gotta be that guy. Me too. That's why I always had Longo in my corner. Yeah. Whoever you got to have that locks you in, but they work well together. They're doing what they, they thought. They thought they saw what they needed to see. I don't know what else to say. You know, I think, I think because she wasn't getting the takedowns and controlling her by her not doing that, they considered Rose winning, but even though Rose wasn't doing much at all. 
So I think, all right, she's not getting taken down. This is how I have to look at it. Okay, if if she's a wrestler, a grappler, and she grapples and wrestles and can't do it, then who's who's the striker? Are they doing their job? They both didn't have that. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, you both got a strike, but if you're not, you've got to throw punches and kicks. That's it. That's what happened. And that didn't happen, and so the fight didn't happen. It's that simple. I'll tell you who does throw punches and kicks. Francisco fucking... Uh, Ronaldo? Oh, that's beautiful. Trinaldo, yeah. Oh, Trinaldo. Come on, man. Badubas. What is in his acai? That guy's getting better with age. No, he's been he's been so good for so long. He's just cons- first of all, he's a nasty southpaw, very awkward, weird rhythm. He's powerful, and then he's got sick hips and good jiu-jitsu. He's just a miserable guy to fight in that division. He's going to make you look bad, and he's hard to get out of there. And this is, when you look at the judging on that decision, I I always think it's got to be so hard for guys to know what judges are thinking. Um, Because sometimes you'll see a 30-27 in opposite directions, which I I never understood. And then sometimes like this, you see 29-28, and then someone has it 30-26. There's a really big difference between those two Guys, so I don't know how as a fighter you figure out what, what a judge is looking for or, or what you're doing right or wrong in there. No, you don't. The, the, the commissions are, are what are just the most horrible part about the sport. You got, you've got a new commission for every state, a different commission, different set of rules, different set of minds, and they're all doing the same. They're all covering the same sport. So if they all have different rules and different set of minds, what does that mean? That means that each one of them thinks that they are right. And that the other commission is wrong. If we all work together, we can all like start working together here. We're all doing one sport. Why are we all separate thinking that we're right and the other state is wrong? That's the issue. The issue is that every commission thinks that they're right and they can't come together as a community. If they would do that, it would support the fighters. What's keeping us unsafe is the commissions changing the rules in every single state, keeping us clueless as to how to fight and how not to fight. If we just have one set of rules across the board, makes it so much easier for us athletes to know what's going on. Are there certain states that you think are doing it much better than other states? Like I said, the problem is every state is thinking the way you just said. Well, but I mean, like as a fighter, is there one state where you feel like this? Yes, the fight I just had, the judges kind of represented it the way I saw it. Or as an announcer, are, are th- these judges kind of called it the way I as a seasoned I saw it? And then there's other ones where you're like, what the fuck are they thinking consistently? Yeah, it goes all over the place. That's what I'm saying. There's no consistency in the commissions. That's the issue. So how do you know what you're seeing? Because what might be the same in one commission every time is going to be different in Jacksonville because they have yeah. different rules. It's going to be different in California. It's going to be different in Vegas. So how do you know what's wrong and what's right if each one of them has their own set of wrong and right and nobody's together? It's all nonsense. It's all just a bunch of confusion. So really, if the commission is here for our safety, then they should come together and be here for our safety instead of separate for themselves. And the announcing too, like you're, you're obviously a great uh, announcer uh, and, and there's no like, uh, you still have the desire to fight. I'm amazed that DC did that and you do that. And guys that have this great other job still want to go out there and, and, and fight. So are you saying that you're surprised that I want to do it? No, I'm, I admire it. I mean, it's not surprising in the sense of what are you thinking, but it's like the drive to do that when you um, have another thing is, uh, is really something else. You know, I would have to say that's probably the hardest part about, about fighting right now is doing that job. It's the hardest part. It takes a lot out of me to go there uh, Wednesday to Sunday. I'm studying every single fighter on the card. I mean, 13 fights. I got to watch each fighter two times. Uh, to know their style and then i gotta you know so i'm watching six to seven hours of film on the whole card and then you gotta know you gotta interview the athletes you gotta so you really get a connection with each of these athletes when i do that i have to care about them i have to put them first before myself this is my choice obviously not every athlete not every analyst has to do this but this is how i do it and so yeah it's it's a lot it creates a lot of stress for me and i called that that Chito Vera Rob Font card, that was not ideal for me to call my own division to talk nice about the guys that I could be facing for 30 minutes to hear them tell them, tell the world how shitty I am afterwards. Like it just doesn't create, it creates a very weird look. Right. I continually get to get to take the high road and uh, get shit on, but that's the choice I've made. So here I am. Does it get weird when you do those fighter meetings, when you try to get them know, and you're like, all right, you ask a question and the guy's looking at you like, dude, I want you next. I mean, it's it's so weird. I'm trying to be professional, but these guys aren't having it because they're in fight mode and I get why they're ready to fight. So it's like how 
I, I ask Zach Candido this all the time. Like, do you want me on this interview or not? Because these guys aren't going to say everything they want to say if they want to kill me. Like, what yeah. are they going to tell us? You know, maybe I should step off. And he'll, he'll like, Zach will be like, they kind of, it's weird because the TV crew kind of wants you to have that little thing, but it, because it's entertaining. But at the same time, they, there's kind of this thing where it's like, you know, just step out so that we can get the good interview. If you have a beef with the fighter, step out. So they leave it up to me. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, do I stay or do I not for this athlete? Do they want me there or do they want me gone? And how do I know? You tell me what you tell me, like, what would I do? Should I leave? How do I respect the athlete? Do I come? Do I go? I don't know. Is it because you're in a way too, you don't want to be a distraction right before they fight. You don't want to, you want, you don't want to be something else that, that it doesn't need to be at that time. Well, you got to think if I'm getting ready, if I could possibly fight Matt Sarah, let's say, and we're doing uh, in, in, you know, a year or something or in a, in a next couple matchups, me and Matt oh, Sarah. Open weight class. I'm done cutting weight. Yeah. So we're, we're getting ready <laughs> to fight. And then now you guys are interviewing me. I mean, what, am I really going to be completely open? I don't know, motherfucker, but I'm going to the highest hill like one of those lions. That way, when you do all that footwork, you get fucking altitude poisoning. I'll, I'll, I'll bite you then, Dominic. Now, when we get to the top of the mountain, I'm, you'll be able to pull guard and I'll just fall right into it. <laughs> oh, bro, I'll be at it. I'm not, but my knees, I'm not walking to that fucking mountain. Fucking Dominic. Dominic, man, I can't wait to see you back yeah. here. It's going to be a shame one day when you hang him up. You're still young, though, 36. And when, listen, when you do finally walk away, hopefully many, many years from now, is it going to be the commentating thing, like full-time, or do you have other things? You look like one of those guys with a lot of fucking irons in the fire. You got all this shit set up, or are you fucking just maybe do a grappling match? I mean, what do you plan on doing? You're not wrong, man. Um, I'd like to, you know, get back to the sport as long as I can. I love doing the analyst job I, because it's for the athletes, you know, like, you know where this came from is when I started the sport, I had a style that's hard to understand. Yes or no? Yes. Probably kind of hard to understand. So that being said, I've heard so many commentators have no idea what the fuck they're saying about what I'm doing. And so it triggered me to go, man, we need people in there who see all, all styles as okay. All styles is not herky jerky and weird, but as just, this is what's actually happening. Not this is weird. We've never seen this, but oh, here's what they're doing. Here's the tactic. Here's why it works. That was very, that hearing people commentate my fights for years and not know what I'm doing and me know what I'm doing triggered me to say, we need to, we need to show the world what these athletes are really doing. Like some of these athletes are doing shit that's never been seen before. Nobody can read, nobody understands. And unless there's a high level athlete who reads it and can understand it, then nobody gets to know the skills that these athletes have. So I enjoy doing it for the athletes. I enjoy, I'm a fan of all these fighters. They don't know it, whether they think so or not. Even the guys in my division, I'm fans of them. The better they show up, the better I show up to fight them, which means technically, if you really break it down on a real note, we're teammates. There's no other way to look at it. Right. If he's better than me and he's going to drive me to be better, how is that not working with me? It's all in how you frame it. Dominic, this is out of left field. How are you on the dance floor? How are you in a dance battle? Because I see you got footwork for days. I can picture <laughs> you doing a fucking little pop locking in a fuck. I can picture you. Like a fucking modern day John Travolta with the middle <laughs> floor with you out there doing your fucking footwork and people just going, oh, uh, you, so how are you in the dance? How are you, you in the know, dance? You know, if it's slow, I need to work on my hip movement a little. I need to work on what I do with my arms. But if it's quick, I can move the feet and it just kind of looks normal. It just looks like, yeah, you know, that's how you got no knees. And I guarantee you, you're out there tearing up the dance floor with no knees. So I can figure it out. All right. Dom, it's good talking to you again. You have no idea when your next fight is? We're working on it right now. We're going to okay. have a fight this year. We're going to have a good one this year for everybody. I'm excited about it. And uh, the division's looking hot. I'm excited yeah. to build these guys. I'm excited to talk good about them. And I'm excited to beat them up after I'm done if I can. Yeah, well, we're happy you're healthy, man. It's, uh, it's good to see you healthy. And I, I can't wait to see you fight again. You have a podcast already? What do you want to plug? Uh, my footwork. DominicCruz.com. I've got an MMA online series that I put out all my tutorials, footwork stuff, MMA tactics, everything. Anybody who says that it's not doable, I've got guys doing it. I've got guys following the same patterns, using the techniques I use. It is a very, very achievable way to move. And it's out there. You can get it online. DominicCruz.com. Hold the fucking fort. Now you're telling me, Dominic Cruz, you're Dominic, you're telling me that now am I, I, Maybe I'll wait until I get my new knees, but I can fucking move like you. I'm not known for my footwork. 
I'm not kidding. All you got to do is follow the steps. There's steps I use. I chop down every single movement in two movements at a time and show you how all of it's done so that you can actually understand it. Get you in the way you fucking fight. Fucking all that. It's in I there, can. man. I swear to God, it's in there. Check it out. DominicCruz.com. Plug series. that again. Plug that again. DominicCruz.com. The Footwork Fundamentals Series. Check it out. Thank you, guys. Love yes, you guys. Thanks, Thanks, Talk to you soon, buddy. Good talking to you again. Appreciate you. Yeah, I hope he fights again, man. He's uh, I, I was I, I watched the Cejudo fight again, and uh, he definitely had a legit gripe about that stoppage. Oh, 100%. Uh, listen, I like his. He's got spunk. Even yeah. when you talk to him, he's like, so what do you mean? He's yeah, a little confrontational, yeah. but I, he never, I love it. I think he's I hysterical because so. I think he's a, I think he's a really good guy. I've hung out with him before. I think he's a really good guy. I like Dominic Cruz a lot. I do. Um, Jimmy, uh, we have other fights to talk about, but I really have to use the bathroom, but let's just really quick. Okay. Uh, just give some, first of all, I am loopy for loopy. I am loopy for that loopy. She is a uh, loopy uh, Godinez. Uh, did I pronounce it right? Uh, Lupita, yeah. She's phenomenal. She looked phenomenal. That was a that was a uh, that was a performance that raised her stock. She's putting it all together, and she looked freaking great in that fight. And the fact that the other girl was a black belt, it, it made it even more. I was even more impressed. Brandon Roy, Val, uh, yeah, incredible. Yes, with match and match Neil. Hey man, hold he your looked head good. Up. Hold your head up high, kid. Uh, phenomenal fight, fight of the night, deservingly so. Congrats to Randy Brown, too, uh, over Randy chaos. Brown that was a very great. close fight. He looked fucking great, Randy Brown. Man. Randy yeah. Brown, was he was getting it. He was just – he looks more and more just comfortable in that octagon. Yeah. And that's what I've seen out of that. Yeah. And, um, and look, we did – We obviously, Cowboy was sick, uh, so his fight with Joel Zone was yeah. canceled. But uh, um, Tracy uh, Cortez – I'm sorry. Tracy oh, Cortez sure. had a great fight with Melissa Gato. Melissa Gato. He was um, – I enjoyed it because yeah. the, girl, the girl on the bottom, uh, Melissa, was dangerous with jujitsu, but Tracy was not dating. Tracy's dating. Uh, she's with uh, Brian Ortega. That's oh know, right, yes, yeah, I saw them together. Well, you know, she knows about a dangerous fucking jujitsu, you know. So she didn't mind going down there, and I thought that was a great fight. You know, uh, I don't think the last we saw of Ferguson because I thought Ferguson was looking really good. I he agree. Got he, he was just got caught. Yeah. Good. With a kick, I, I mean, I, 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 there's nobody that wasn't getting knocked out if they got hit that way with that kick. I feel bad for I, I think Marcio, Mar, Marcio Hua Shogun yep. versus uh, OSP. You know, I, I the, the the Southpaw thing I think was messing him up. He was he was I mean he was looking he was doing the right things. He was having a hard time getting off on him. You know, I yeah. got to the bathroom. All right, buddy. Well, we're, we're done. We'll talk on uh, Wednesday, and then we can talk about how I got most of the fights right. Um, no, there's no need to. Love you, Jimmy. I love you, my friend. Thanks to Dom and Chris. Take care, pal. Uh, you know I'm holding it right now like I'm clinching. Well, hold on a minute, Matt. Let Bye, me Jimmy. I love you all. I want to talk to you about jujitsu. I can't go by. As an art. Jimmy. Goodbye, everybody. I love you on Filtered Army. What happens Emergency. if you you want to, if you're in guard, let me just Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.